Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. In that regards, I'm always scouring the globe, looking for entrepreneurs, doing cutting-edge things bringing those insights to you and sharing those with the audience. So today we have um, George Morris, and um, he is a certified business growth coach and implementer, so talking all about scaling. But today's really interesting is we're going to talk about um, uncertain times, growing your company and versus failing, mental, emotional resiliency, and moving forward in a really interesting time. So uh, I'll bring George onto the show and welcome him. So welcome, George. Hey, thanks for having me, Christopher. Uh, glad to be on here and ha- looking forward to a really great conversation with you. Yeah. And uh, I know we had connected through Podmatch and um, you have a really interesting uh, bio and background. So tell us more about your story and how you got started. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll just cut right to uh, starting a business as an entrepreneur, right? Came out of college, uh, failed miserably at starting a business. My background was environmental sciences. And so, uh, you know, when I came out of college, I, I knew I actually wanted to do something with the web. No one really was doing anything with it when I came out of college. And uh, my first year in business, owning a digital agency, uh, I made a whopping $600. And uh, that was the whole year. <laughs> So I immediately decided this is probably not for me. I should probably pack my bags. I I was about to go back into the family construction business. And the day before I made that decision, company pulled me in uh, and then said, we'll make you a project manager, we'll make you a coder here in the company and worked for them for two years. They relocated me to Colorado, uh, right? The dot-com boom and the bust, right? So as soon as we started up, we ran two years in the business and then the dot-com bust happened. And I started my agency, had that a software development agency, marketing agency for 14 years, and um, went through all the ups and downs, learning curves, everything grew that uh, a little over 3 million, and then exited, sold my share in 20, 2016, and then became a consultant after that, helped the company through an acquisition. And that's where I'm at today. That's that's the most abbreviated version I can give you. I, I, I talk a lot, so that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah. And uh, I imagine it's been a wild, like 22 plus years, 20 plus years. It's just. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's been a, it's been a wild ride. I would say, you know, starting in the dot-com uh, bus, really, I started my agency right at the dot-com bus. And what was nice about that, and I actually really mean it was nice, is that we had to be lean. We had to be really clear with why anybody wanted to do business with us. And that really set us up for success for the next 13 or 14 years. And so starting off starting off in tough times could be a blessing. Yeah. I was uh it's so many so interesting, like Airbnb, DoorDash, uh, all of the Uber, they all came out of 2008. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and uh, I'm listening to some podcasts and like, you know, all these uh, startups, you know, especially recession and basically the way to capture market share during these times is to cut costs, you know, be just basically execute and, you know, act, uh, act like a startup. And, um, and uh, if you make it through, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you gain so much because everybody else. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You also, uh, co-founded TEDx Boulder. And, um, uh, one thing I had question is, um, you have, uh, something called the experience in EOS traction. What is EOS traction? Yes. Yes. So that's kind of where I'm at today. Um, yeah, started TEDx Boulder and, um, that was a fun ride for a while there. But, uh, when I heard the later years of my agency, I just realized that having an environmental science background, not an MBA. Um, I really didn't know what I was doing in business. I was finding success. Uh, we we're in the local fastest growing company, best place to work. All of that felt like success, but there was still like a voice in the back of my head that said, you're faking it. You're an imposter. You don't know a variety of things. So how are you going to figure that out? So I joined EO, the environmental, uh, not environmental, the entrepreneur organization. And EO creates these peer groups of call it seven other entrepreneurial peers where you Talk about your business best and your and your personal business worst, the top five and bottom five percent. So, as we start getting into this, I'm I'm entering it thinking I'm going to walk away with a lot more business experience. But what I realize is that's the conversation starter at the top of the iceberg. The bottom of the iceberg is all the personal stuff, the struggles that you work through to get to where you're at as a business leader, and getting rid of the things like imposter syndrome and all of this. And as we're doing this, I come across uh, Vern Harnish, who is the founder, and he starts telling us about this thing called Gazelles or Rockefeller Habits. And it's a system for organizing your business and running your business. And I'm like, this is great. This is a fantastic system. I try to self-implement it, completely fail at it, but I learned. And then as the years went on, another colleague in EO created this thing called EOS, EOS Traction. And his name is uh, Gino Wickman. So it's a watered down version of what Vern created. And then this thing starts catching on. It actually gets traction. So traction gets traction. Uh, other entrepreneurs start using it. I start helping other entrepreneurs implement traction. I'm not a certified traction implementer, but I help them get moving on it. And then through helping one of my colleagues build his company up for acquisition, we get acquired. And then as we get acquired, I'm working in a 500 person company for six months after the acquisition. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this. I'm an entrepreneur. I define myself that way. I leave and I went to go start a blockchain company. And a friend of mine's like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Two other entrepreneurs are like, you are not going to start a blockchain company. Go be a Go be a coach implementer. I'm like, I don't want to be a coach. I have all this baggage around coaching. And <laughs> I then come back out. I realized Rockefeller Habits uh, was rebranded into scaling up and made better. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a scaling up coach. And it's it's like traction is your high school degree. Uh, scaling up is like your college degree. And then there's another system uh, called the three hag way or metronome. And I call that your PhD level business operating systems oh interesting uh which is very um yeah and then it was really interesting how you um you've transitioned from all like a uh, scaling up coach and now you're like working with all these uh, different uh companies and uh 
tell us uh, especially your honest opinion assessment like especially these times like especially 2020 to now you know businesses is it worse is it more volatile uncertain than 2008 you know for you know 2000 Fords um, tell us more about your assessment yeah my assessment of it is um I feel like a lot of it's overblown that's my honest assessment. I think the media likes to grab a hold of a story and run with the story and make it bigger than it is. I don't know that it truly impacts most companies on a day-to-day. Business might get a little slower at times. Business might be a little higher on times. Um, with the exceptions, there's always companies that, you know, these, these ebbs and flows within the economy are going to eliminate some businesses and it's going to give birth to new businesses. And and it's just a continual ebb, or ebb and flow. And if you expect that there's always going to be an ebb and flow, you also know that these areas where we have these troughs in the economy and in, in the marketplaces, they're going to be, they're, they're going to end at some point. So you know it's only temporary. And if you can have the resiliency to get through that temporary state, you can thrive, right? And I actually would reframe it as resiliency is part of it. But what I think about is uh, like Nassim Taleb's idea of anti-fragile, right? It's That's above the resiliency. It's like, not only how am I going to survive this and be resilient, but how am I going to get stronger and better from these hard times? I think that's the lesson we all need to be learning when we have a, a downturn in the economy. Yeah. And uh, why do, why do your, um, from your experience, why do companies fail during uncertain times? Well, there's a myriad of ways, but I, I think one of the surest ways is to go into a survival mindset and be risk adverse and um, have a more of a contractive view. You know, I think there's plenty of evidence out there from MIT, Harvard Business Review and others. Uh, Forbes, uh, I've read lots of articles that would tell you that the businesses that succeeded in these downturns were the ones that were actually a little more risk taking, um, doing so with a very clear ROI. They knew what the risk was and they expanded during these times, they were the ones that benefited when it came back around. And to me, it's easy to go into a a mindset of, let's be protective, let's not spend money, let's really be restrictive on who we're hiring. And that's that's easy to do, you can can do that. I just think when you come out of the curve, you're probably gonna be weaker for it if you have competitors that are being aggressive in those times. Yeah, it, it's um, it's kind of this fine line between uh, you know, you don't want to do overdo it and then crash and uh, right. This is like just play it safe and not take advantage of that opportunity. Um, Be strategic. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the entrepreneurs, they you know, a lot of them, they're um, they're successful, they're well established. You know, they they admire your you know the hustle and the you know the growth. Um, but there's another side to entrepreneurship, especially uh, mental health. Um, mm. and I know you can, you can, you have a lot to speak about that. So tell us, yes, you know, about, tell us about that. Yeah. So, uh, just speaking to that from the perspective of the entrepreneur, you know, it's being an entrepreneur can be lonely, right? Because if you don't know a lot of other entrepreneurs that you're talking to on a regular basis, there are things that you go through as an entrepreneur that almost seem, uh, almost seem bipolar, right? Like when you're experiencing hard times, and you're interacting with your team, you're supposed to uh, be cheerful, positive, and hey, we can do this. That's what society tells you we're supposed to be, right? So you get this mixed message like, 
this is actually a really difficult time. And I'm a little down about it, but I'm going to need to put on this face that all is okay and that we're going to get through this. It's like, wow, that, that's really setting yourself to be schizophrenic. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, the more that you can talk about these things with, with other peers that are in the space with you through organizations like Vistage or EO or whatever it may be, um, you're going to be better off to get through these hard times. And um, in fact, I actually have a tool that I developed that I encourage people to use if they're entrepreneurs, if they can find a buddy or two. And I call it uh, the wheel of growth and needs. And so you can go to the website, go to gmorris.com slash wheel, and you can download this PDF. And what it does is it looks at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So we talk about Maslow's hierarchy and are you a zero or a 10 on any one of these? Uh, let's see, there's 24 dimensions. And when you draw out the whole wheel, you can see, is your life expansive or contractive? And when you compare that month over month and have a conversation with a, with a colleague, you can talk about like, how are you doing from a, a, an emotional perspective, a mental perspective, a physical perspective, and also a higher transcendental like attainment perspective. So we look at, look at the full entrepreneur and see how they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about, um, for example, with entrepreneurs, especially vulnerability and the role that love, empathy, and listening, how do these soft skills interplay in entrepreneurs? That's a great question. You know, I one of the things I do is I'll do a disc profile. Have you ever done a disc profile? That's the one where it's like you have your um, assessment, weaknesses, threats, and um, the, your uh, potential opportunities, and you have to. Yeah, that would be more of a. That's a SWOT. Uh, so with a disc, it's a disc is looking at how you look at the world, right? So it's one of these assessments, and then what you're doing with that assessment is you're looking at, okay, if I thin slice you and I say how do you look at the world, I'm going to rank you from a D and I and S and a C. The D is dominance. The I is influence. The S is steadiness and the C is conscientiousness. And so the D and the I's, the people who are high D and I's, they lead by telling others what to do. And they're very um, quick moving, fast moving, very assertive. They also, as an Achilles heel to that, tend not to be the best listeners. They don't ask the best questions. And then you have the S and the C's, which are great at asking questions, great at an analysis and systems approach. Um, but they're also a little slower to get moving. They're a little slower to take action. They're a little more quiet. So when you give a DISC assessment, you look at it from a DISC perspective, you can understand the person's mental models a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And when you understand the mental model, you can also see where there's a potential weakness in the sense of this is going to be a stressor for that person. And when you get a group of entrepreneurs together that speak that language, uh, it's really easy to take a look at them and say, uh, if I do this thing, I'm going to stress you out. Or if you take on this task, you're going to get stressed out. And again, that helps with the mental health conversation a lot with a group. Mm, it's in, Yeah, it's like so many, um, once you understand, you know, your um, personality and all your strengths, weaknesses, you know, your personality, uh, you can better uh, lead teams. Yeah. Uh, as we uh, as we wrap it up, you know, there's it's, it's actually you have a so much a wealth of knowledge. Um, as we wrap it up, uh, one final question is: um, uh, What have you found most surprising about um, coaching executive teams and 
three tips you can give that will help our listeners grow? Okay. Uh, observations from the teams I've coached. Um, a wide variety, north of $100 million, some of them a million dollars. I would say nobody has it figured out. Um, you know, there's this impression that when you have a smaller agency, a smaller company, whatever it may be, that there's a lot to figure out. And the bigger companies have figured it out. They haven't. You know, their their dysfunctions are just larger dysfunctions, um, but they're dealing with the same issue, be it personnel, hiring, leadership, egos, whatever it might be, they're still dealing with it. Um, so I think there's that there's that piece which I definitely see. Uh, you know, I I would say from a, a takeaway, you asked me what are three takeaways? Is that right? Three tips for teams. Uh-huh. Three tips. I recommend everybody who is uh, starting out as an entrepreneur or has a business or is running a, a billion dollar corporation to read Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. What he has to say in that book is relevant for businesses of all sizes. And basically, it comes down to trust. If you can't trust the team that's around you, um, you're not going to get anywhere quickly. And when we're talking about trust, we're not talking about like, hey, Christopher, I asked you to get this done and you didn't get it done. I don't trust you. Um, It's more about vulnerability-based trust. It's Mm -hmm. more about, I asked you to do this thing. um, You didn't do it. And I'm not going to come back to you and check in with you, but you're going to come back to me and be like, hey, George, I know you asked me to do this. I said I was going to have it done last Friday. I didn't do it because I was having a really bad day and I was struggling with something, but I will have it for you on Monday. That's that's telling me that I can truly trust you because mm-hmm. you're owning your own experience. So I would say Patrick Lencioni's work is, is phenomenal. The other piece that I would say uh, for everyone is to really get clear on their meetings. Uh, why they're having their meetings, we too often default to this, I have a great idea, I want to share it, and I'm going to invite whoever I can to the meeting. But we're not really clear as to why we're having the meeting. Um, And what are the topics? What are the outcomes? You know, you look at companies like Amazon, and Bezos created a culture where they do all of their preparation by creating a document, they share a document, and everybody is expected to come to the meeting prepared and clear. And they work through everything within the meeting. So they may have information that needs to be read. They take time in the meeting to read it collectively. And and they have very clear outcomes for their meetings. When you're looking at scaling up, you talk about your meetings as being weekly, monthly, or quarterly. If I'm doing something like a financial review, I'm going to put that at the monthly meeting, not the weekly meeting. The weekly meeting is reserved for firefighting or issues that pop up that need to be addressed that week. And if it's something that's more strategic, it's probably going to wait to my quarterly meeting where I can sit down and have deeper, longer discussions than 45 minutes in a conference room, right? So get clear of the granularity and the information you're trying to cover. Mm. And I would also say, lastly, have a set of KPIs, some type of metrics, KPIs, OKRs, whatever you want to pull up, but have a handful of them. Sometimes I think we get into the belief that if we're measuring everything, that somehow we're going to see the things that we're we're missing. And I would argue that it's not about the number of metrics that you're tracking. It's really about the quality of the few metrics that many roll up into. And if those metrics can be leading indicators about where the business is going and not lagging indicators in terms of where the business went, because with the leading indicators, 
I can take action on the leading indicators. There's not much I can do for the lagging indicators of what happened in the past. And so, you know, a few metrics, no more than 10, I think is key for for most people running businesses. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for a wonderful conversation. Um, Be sure to follow uh, George. He's on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, as well as his website. Check out um, uh, gmorris.com forward slash connect where you can uh, connect with uh, George on his website and you can schedule a free session or chat. Um, and so this was a really uh, could be a, a one hour masterclass. Um, and uh, we look forward to you know having you back on the show. All right. Well, Christopher, glad to talk and glad to spend some time with you. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week